Praise the Lord. Well, we are going to continue this morning with the last of our series of four lessons on unwrapping Christmas. And last week, you would have had Brother Stan teaching you, and he would have been teaching you about the gifts that the wise man brought to Jesus, amen, and talked a bit about, about the gifts that we bring and, and what we bring to the table when we come and live for God and, and, and what God wants from us, amen. And so we're going we're gonna to continue on this morning, and I think we'll have a little bit of fun, and we'll see what God's Word says. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Good to see some paper Bibles in the church, amen. Colossians chapter 2. And I am very glad to be back. I was telling someone here this morning that, um, you know, I can, I can count on one hand the number of Sundays I miss church. It just, it just doesn't happen in my family. When I was growing up, man, you'd have to be dead if you missed Sunday service. I mean, there was, there was no skipping out of church when I was growing up. We were in church come rain, hail, sunshine, apocalypse, anything. We were still in church. And so I was sitting down at Mission Beach enjoying a lovely breakfast with Sister Janie on Sunday morning and felt completely heathen. <laughs> so I'm not in church. It's just weird. It just felt so wrong. But it was also very relaxing. You know, we got to sleep in and, and have a nice breakfast together. And, and so I'm very grateful to the leaders of the church, Brother, Brother Stan, Brother Kenneth, and, um, and everyone who helped run everything in this church. Thank you for keeping the lights on and the preaching happening and everything going on. And um, I've been told by my, uh, by my mentors and the people who I listen to in my life, they've told me I need to make sure I take more time off um, because I am very tired. <laughs> it's just constant go, go, go. So uh, next year I'll probably try and take some more time off. Um, throughout the year, but we'll see how we go. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 8. Everyone say verse 8. Verse 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Who wants to answer some questions for me? Who can I pick on? Let's pick on Brother Stan. Brother Stan, what is your, what's your favorite thing about Christmas? Family. family. Favorite thing about Christmas is family. Sister Minnie, what's your favorite Christmas food? Ham? Yeah, I love a good ham. Ham's amazing. Keru, what's the best present you ever received? I bet you I could name it for you. <laughs> Mum knows exactly what I mean. <laughs> I told you. <ya. laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man alive. Man alive. Sonia, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? For breakfast, yeah, that sounds good. Well, then you should have no problems with 9 a.m., right? 
exactly, exactly. You know what, Jonathan hasn't quite got that yet, I don't think. I mean, he just knocks on our door at 5.30 every morning anyway, but I'm waiting for the day that he realizes that as soon as I wake up, I can get presents, and he'll be like banging on our door at 4 a.m. in the morning. Mm, I know, but hopefully he won't get it quite yet. Christmas is um, a wonderful time of the year. You know, for me, one of my favorite things about Christmas in my family is we make this amazing cinnamony, orangey, clovey drink called Wazzle, which I really like. And we make it at Christmas time, and it's really nice when it's hot and, and fresh, but it tastes even better the next day after it starts to get a little bit old. It tastes incredible. So yum. That was one of my favorite Christmas things. But... Um, it is true that as much as everyone here, we do enjoy Christmas, it is also true that it can also be a time of stress. True story. It can be a time of hardship. It can, it can be a lonely time for some people as well. You know, for people who don't necessarily have family up here, who have to work through this season. And, you know, Christmas is just like, yeah, it's just another day. I'm not with my family. And so it can be quite a lonely time. And, and Christmas... Christmas has become quite chaotic, I think, as, uh, as time has gone on. Um, I think for a long time, Christmas has become very commercialized as well. You know, I, I've noticed that uh, in Australia, we have just started kind of in the last few years bringing in this idea of Black Friday. You notice that? Black Friday sales and stuff like that. You know, it's very big in, in, in the United States, you know. Um, I've heard stories of people who would get up at 4 a.m. and line up at shops for the moment they would open to get the big sales that were happening. And um, some people get uh, matching clothes dressed up for all the members of the family who are going out shopping. And it's, it's quite full on, you know, Black Friday. And it's, it's starting to come into, into our country as well. And I guess where that comes from is that um, some retailers would operate in the red, for most of the year, so they came up with Black Friday to help get their books back in the, the black. But it's interesting that a day that has become infamous for greed, frustration, and, and you know, I've even seen some, you watch some YouTube videos, you'll see people fighting over the last item left on the shelf and stuff like that. And um, it's funny that that kind of thing is the way that Christmas starts kind of sets, tends to set the tone, doesn't it, for, for the whole Christmas season. And it's, it's been said that if you take Christ out of Christmas, December really becomes kind of the bleakest month of the year. You know, you're all ready for holidays. Work's been tough. You know, if you live in the northern hemisphere, it's cold and snowy. If you live in the southern hemisphere, it's stinking hot with 300% humidity. Yeah, December. It's great, isn't it? But it's interesting, you know, because right from the very beginning, in some ways, Christmas was actually surrounded by chaos, confusion, and disorder. Right from the very beginning. I want you to imagine for a second. Let's just go around the room here. Where were you born, Brother Stan? Thursday Island. Where were you born? Bendigo. Where were you born? Thursday Island. Where were you born? Tanzania. I was born in Perth. Right Now, can you imagine if, for a moment, the Australian government made a rule that said, okay, we need everyone to go back to the place where they were born because we want to do a census. 
Can you imagine the, the mass chaos? I mean, how many different nationalities and people live in Cairns? I can tell you one thing, the population of Cairns would plummet. You know, because we would have to go all over the world. And yet this is kind of the chaos that happened when Jesus was born. You see, Joseph and Mary, they lived in Nazareth. And all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus gave a decree that said everyone has to go back to their place of birth for the taxes and for the census. And while the Roman Empire had done census by province before, this was the first time they had ever done an empire-wide census where everybody had to go back to their hometown where they were born for the purpose of that. And can you imagine the chaos can you imagine if the government came out and said, right, everyone go back to, can you imagine Cairns Airport? It would just be a nightmare. There's no way you could handle the influx of people who, were, who would leave. And then imagine somewhere like Beijing Airport. Imagine the influx of people coming in. It would just, it would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? And so it was kind of like that. And as, as Mary and Joseph and, and Mary by this stage was heavily pregnant, as they make their way back to Bethlehem, is it any surprise that they found no room at the inn? Because Bethlehem would have been, so many people would have come from Bethlehem. And the town is just overloaded and filled with people. And, and not only is it um, filled with people, you think about it, all these people have traveled to be there. And we're not talking about jumping in a nice air-conditioned car or taking a little jet flight somewhere. They've walked to Bethlehem. They've maybe taken a camel or a mule to Bethlehem. And so you've got a town full of people who don't really want to be there. They're tired. They can't, everyone can't find a place to stay. They're frustrated. And, and, and not only all of that, but the Roman government was hated. Nobody actually wanted to do what the Roman government wanted them to do. It's just everything about this particular moment in history is just chaos and confusion, amen. It was so crowded that Joseph and Mary could not find a decent place to stay. And then, and of course, you know, the other, the other thing that happened, you know, just a little while after this, a couple of years, is, is what King Herod did when he ordered that genocide of all children under the age of two in the same town. I mean, if, if, ima just imagine the chaos and the confusion and everything that's going on. And, and I think in some ways that does kind of mirror what we have today. You know, we, we live in a day where there is much upheaval, much unrest, you know, not, not just here in Cairns or even in Australia, but even all, all across the world. Politically, people, people are not happy. People are in chaos. People are angry. People are frustrated. People are unhappy with their governments. People are weary emotionally, physically. You know, and I think I, I look at the, and I don't want to get into politics here, but I look at the political scene in Australia, and I just think people are weary. They're just tired of what's going on. You know, people are, people are tired of it, and, and, and the news is full of tragedies, and, and you know, you, you can't read three pages of the newspaper without finding out about someone who's died, or someone who's lost, or something terrible going on, and, 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 and if we're not careful, sometimes all of this takes the joy out of Christmas. 
And, and you know, the, the joy that the world should have experienced at Christmas at Bethlehem when Jesus was born, right, it was completely missed. You know, it's like the story I heard um, about, it happened back in 2007, I think. A, uh, a master violinist took his violin as part of a social experiment and, and parked himself in a subway, like a train station in Washington and, and played some tunes on his violin to see if he could get people to stop and listen and, and maybe give him some money. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't announce who he was. He didn't wear any fancy clothes. He was dressed in jeans, a T-shirt and a baseball cap. And uh, you got to understand, this guy had just three days earlier filled, um, filled the symphony house full of people paying good money to come and watch him play. He, he took his violin down. Get this, his violin was a handcrafted Stradivari created in, let me get this right, 1713 and worth $3.5 million. That's the kind of instrument this guy plays on. And he sat down in this subway station to just play for people. Open up his violin case, just see who chucked some money and who, who stopped to listen, who stopped to appreciate what he was, what he was playing. He's, he, he can make $1,000 a minute. That's how much he charges for his concerts. You want him to come play? You pay him $1,000 a minute to play for you. Anyone got that kind of money? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Imagine what we could do if he was fundraising for us. Woo! <laughs> Thousand dollars a minute, incredibly skillful. But on that day, when he played in that subway, one thousand and ninety-seven people passed by. Only seven of them stopped for any amount of time to listen, even if it was just a. Eh, it's good. Keep going on my way. They counted that seven people stopped to listen. Twenty-seven people dropped change into his open violin case, which accumulated a grand total of thirty-two dollars. You know, it's, it's interesting because he was largely ignored because people didn't know who he was. They didn't realize whose presence they were in. And, and, and Christmas is like that. You know, on that day when Jesus was born, nobody realized who was in their midst. You know, because there was this, all this upheaval and chaos and everything going on and this this seemingly small, insignificant event, another baby being born, didn't seem to quite make it on the scale of big things. You see, the Jewish people, they were waiting for some grandiose king to come, some mighty warrior to throw out the Roman Empire and to, to restore Israel and to make everything right again. And, and when they laid their eyes on their king, they didn't recognize him. They could not reconcile their preconceived ideas of what the king should look like and what this baby actually looked like. You know, and of course, we know the rest of the story. Eventually, they accused him of blasphemy and they had, him, had, him, had Jesus killed. And you know, today, we have the same problem in society. We do have ready access to the Savior. He's made the way for us to come to Him, to live for Him, to repent of our sins, to be baptized, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The way is open for us, but largely, 
Society ignores Jesus. True story. You know, for many, Jesus' place in Christmas is about as meaningful as Santa Claus. You know, he's often seen as nothing more than a prop in a nativity scene or a Christmas play. You know, many people are, many people are okay with the thought of a baby Jesus. You know, a harmless, helpless human lying in a bed of straw. Many people don't mind sharing stories of the nativity or paintings of Mary with, you know, the halo around her head and, and stuff like that. And, 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 but, but when you introduce Jesus as a divine convicting Jesus, a Jesus who asks them to be selfless, a Jesus who asks them to put others first, who tells them to turn away from their life of sin, that's when all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 I like the baby Jesus. You know, he's gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's the nice one. I like that one. I don't like what he's going to become. And, and it's because of this, there's often this push to try and take Christ out of Christmas, right? We, we want to just keep it this commercialized Santa Claus, reindeer, jingle bells, dreaming of a white Christmas kind of thing for Christmas. Amen. True story. But the reality is, is that they don't want anything to do with the one who said, take up your cross and follow me. And we don't want that, Jesus. The reality is, is that if you want to be great, that's the Jesus we have to have in our life. Let's grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to read from verse 25. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, say amen when you're there. It says, but Jesus called them unto him and said, You know, the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Yeah, and this is why they missed the significance of who Jesus was when he was born. They were looking for some great king. They were looking for some warrior, but he came to serve. He came to give his life. You know, God has never put emphasis on royalty or riches or, or prestige as humans do. You know, we are so big on prestige. We are so big on riches. We are so big on being better than everybody else, yeah? But, but Jesus was telling his disciples in this passage that, that being great is not about being the boss. It's not about getting attention. It's about serving others. 
And really, when you boil it all down, at the true heart of Christmas is selflessness. You know, Joseph was selfless. He agreed to take a wife who was expecting a child who was not his own. That's selfless, right? Mary was selfless. She accepted a calling to give birth to the Son of God, knowing that she would never live a normal life. That's selfless. God was selfless, leaving heaven to endure the hardships of life as a man, and, and Jesus paying the price on that cross for you and me. That's selfless. You know, that's, that's, that's putting someone else first. You know, laying aside his glory and his splendor and, and humbling himself, the Bible says. And, and coming as a baby. You know, if we had the choice, you know, maybe we wouldn't choose to be born to the family that we were born to. If we had the choice, I'm pretty sure we would go, you know what, I want something a bit better than this. I want to be in this country and I want to be with these kind of people and I want my dad and my mom to have this kind of job and have this kind of money and this kind of house and then I'll be happy. But Jesus wasn't like that. He humbled himself. And, and you know, think about what we spoke about today. We spoke about some of the things we like about Christmas and, and those traditions and stuff. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I read what we read at the beginning, Colossians. Chapter 2 and verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know, we, we need to make sure that in this season that we're in, we keep our attitudes towards Christmas wholesome. We don't want to get caught up in that materialism and caught up in that, that trying to make sure that we, our kids get the best, better than everybody else and, and make sure that everything, you get what I'm saying? We can't get caught up in all that spirit because that is where it comes down to the traditions of the world. And then the rudiments or, or the principles is another word you could use there of this world. You know, we, as Christians, we need to focus on the principles of Christ not on the principles of the world. And the principles of Christ, as we can see in his, in his birth in a manger, is one of humility, one of coming to serve, one of coming to look out for others, to, to put others first. You know, Christ came to, to take up his cross. You know, and, and, and that's why we don't like to talk about that stuff. But we need to. Because there is always a danger at this time that we begin to follow the principles of the world. Amen? You still with me? The author Frank McKibben said, This is Christmas, not the tinsel, not the giving and receiving, not even the carols, but the humble heart that receives anew the wondrous gift, the Christ. And that's the reality. You know, the best Christmas gift that I can give you for this season as your pastor is one that encourages you to keep your eyes on Jesus and to follow Him and to follow His example and to, and to look for Him. And, and if we do that, if we keep our focus right, then we're not going to start falling down to that trap that, that is there with the sales and the consumerism and the purchasing. And, and look, don't get me wrong. I like presents. I just put it out there. You want to buy me a present, I'll be happy. 
Okay? But we need to make sure that our priority is the Lord. And our priority and our focus is on Him, that we are following His principle. And so, let me just, let me ask you a series of questions. What is your attitude towards Christmas? Some people get really frustrated this Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas again. All those kids in the shopping center clogging things up when I want to do my groceries. Hello? <laughs> Ooh, mercy. What was that? Onlineshopping.com. That's it. Do you equate Christmas with receiving good presents? You know, is Christmas for you only good if you get a good present? Looking more at the young people here than the older people. You know, do you, do you ever feel, has anyone ever felt ungrateful for a gift that you've received? You know, are you involved in negative human traditions? Just ask you, I want you to reflect this morning. Are you involved in negative human traditions when it comes down to Christmas? Are you frustrated, young people, when you don't get what you want for Christmas? Or the young people start studying the sky? What about this now for everyone? Do you ever think of ways that you can help give to people who are less fortunate than yourself? You know, I, I love what Sister Neela set up, and we, we did it a couple of weeks ago where we, get, we, we brought a whole bunch of presents together and we donated them to a, a charity that supports foster kids. Yeah, it's great. You know, every single one of his, we have nothing to complain about here. You know, and it was great that as a church, we were able to focus elsewhere than just on ourselves for a little while. I thought that was fantastic. But, but what about you? How are you able to help people who are less fortunate than yourself? What can you do? You know, can I, can I give you a hint? The easiest way to make Christ the center of your Christmas is to make Him the center of your life throughout the rest of the year. If you walk with God January through November, you'll have no problems honoring Him with your life and with your actions in December. Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how love I your law. It is my meditation all the day. Someone say all the day. You know, it's, it's sometimes easy to to just lose sight of God and we kind of refocus on Sunday, but then life happens on Monday, right? But can I, can I encourage someone today that if you, if you walk with God all day, every day, if you allow your mind to think about the things of the Lord, you know, when it comes to this time of the season, it is tempted to get distracted by things and to, to get caught up in everything that's going on. You know, if you've been walking with God through the year, it's going to be easy to remain focused on Him, amen? You know, and at, at Christmas of all times, we should focus on Him. You know, I encourage you, make Christmas about God. Make Christmas about what Jesus did. You know, I, let, me, let me share with you a little tradition that I have with my family. And, and we do this in our home as well. You know, and maybe uh, you feel free to steal it. I don't mind. But you know, in, in, our, in our house, you know, we don't open presents first thing. On Christmas Day. First thing we do 
is we read the Christmas story in the book of Luke. And we pray together as a family. We thank the Lord that He was willing to come and pay the price for us to to humble himself, to lay aside his glory. That's what we do. No, I'm saying you have to do that, but that's, that's what we do before we start ripping open presents and seeing what people have got us and stuff like that. And we just, it's a conscious effort to go, I'm going to seek you first, God. I'm going to make you first. And this season is so important. How do you think God wants us to celebrate Christmas? And there's, there's nothing wrong with most Christmas traditions. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, you need to, Go live in a monastery somewhere. There's nothing wrong with Christmas traditions, but we just can't let those things hijack, if I could use that word, hijack the heart of Christmas. In Psalm 46, just a few pages back, if you turned with me, Psalm 46, verse 10, you know, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And, and, can I encourage you today, in this season where life is so busy, make sure you're taking time to be still. You know, shut the lid on the laptop. Put the phones out of reach. Get off Facebook for a while. Maybe even turn the music off. Might even be good Christmas carols or whatever. Turn it off. And just allow your mind to think over the good things that God has done for you this year. Just meditate on the journey that God's had you on this year and what you've learned and how you've grown and, and just spend some time appreciating what God has done, you know. What are some other ways you can celebrate Christmas meaningfully? You know, I'm wanting you to think. This is one of the last times I get to talk to you guys this year, so I'm, I'm challenging you to think this morning. The ministry should be at the heart of a Christian's lifestyle, especially during Christmas, ministry, and ministry, all, all that means is to serve, to care for one another, to, and, and we are all called to minister, we're all called to serve one another, and we're called to serve our community and, and to serve our city, and, and you know, if, if you don't have somewhere to serve in this church, then I encourage you, come see me, say, Pastor, in the new year, I want to find somewhere I can help out, where I can be a part of what's going on. You know, we'll find somewhere to put you to work, amen, because we are all called to, to serve, you know. I'll read you one more scripture. Book of John. Gospel of John, I should say. Gospel of John, chapter 13. This is probably one of the most uncomfortable moments in the disciples' life. What happens in this passage? I'm going to read from verse 1 in chapter 13. I want you to, I want you to get the story that's happening here, so I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone say amen if you're there. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, here's the important part. He rises from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, Jesus, the master of the universe, the almighty God, all-powerful, got down on his hands and his knees and began to wash the disciples' feet. You've got to understand, that's not a nice task. Those feet were disgusting. I don't want to go into too many details, but they wore sandals back then, not nice closed-in shoes like we have today. And the streets were full of muck and dirt and all sorts of horrible stuff. It was not a nice task, and yet Jesus was making sure that his followers knew the importance of having a servant's heart. You know, we'll, we'll skip a little bit down. It says in verse 12, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. He's saying, I am Master. I am Lord. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought, also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that has sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. In other words, Jesus is saying that, you know, you are not here to get rich. You are not here to get famous. You are not here to prosper yourself. You are here to serve this world. You are here to serve one another. And if, if Jesus, as Lord and Master, was able to get down on his hands and knees and wash his disciples' feet, how much more should we be willing to have the heart of a servant, especially at this time, Christmas time? Amen. And so I want to encourage you this, this morning as we get ready to finish this season. Why don't we all stand this morning? As we get ready to finish this series and we enter into this, this Christmas season. I want you to be willing to change things in your home. If you're looking at them and you think, you know what, that doesn't quite line up with what I feel God would want us to celebrate Christmas as the way God. I, want you, I challenge you, change it. Step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, be determined for your, for your kids and for your family that I'm going to make Christmas about Jesus because that's what it's about. It's not about everything else that the world would have you, have you believe. You know, it's about Jesus. And so step out of your comfort zone. You know, as we get ready to move into the new year, I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and serve God. Find somewhere that you can serve. Find somewhere you can be faithful. Find somewhere that you can serve the kingdom. Because that's what it's about, amen. And, and, and not only will it be good for the people that you serve, it'll be good for you. Because when you are serving in the kingdom, you draw closer to God. When you are interested with what God is interested in, you draw closer to each other. A relationship begins to get deeper and begins to form. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes and just talk to the Lord.
one last time for our life class for this year. This is the last life class for our year. Jesus, we love you, Lord.